This podcast is sponsored by Talkspace. May is Mental Health Awareness Month, and Talkspace, the leading virtual therapy provider, is encouraging people to talk it out in therapy. By talking or texting with a supportive, licensed therapist at Talkspace, you'll gain insights, discover truths, and experience breakthroughs that will improve how you live and how you feel. With Talkspace, just answer a few questions online, and you'll be matched with a therapist. And because you'll meet your therapist online, you don't have to take time off work or arrange childcare. You'll meet on your schedule, whenever you feel most at ease. Plus, Talkspace works with most major insurers, and most insured members only pay a $25 copay or less. No insurance? No problem. If you want to make progress toward a mentally healthier place, Talkspace is here for you. Now get $80 off your first month with promo code SPACE80 when you go to Talkspace.com. Match with a licensed therapist today at Talkspace.com. Save $80 with code SPACE80 at Talkspace.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of American Muslim Project. I'm your host, Asad Butt. Um, American Muslim Project is a podcast where we talk about the news and information that's affecting the American Muslim community. We are uh, now in our third season, our second episode, and we are kind of experimenting with a bunch of things. Um, today, again, we are going to be talking about the news headlines that are affecting or uh, the American Muslim community, but kind of also what they're just talking about. Today's episode, we're going to talk about what's happening in Palestine, uh, election news, and a bunch of uh, actions that CARE, the Council on American-Islamic Relations, is taking. Um, and we're going to talk about some new Muslim innovation and uh, also give you uh, a clip from a new podcast that we're listening to. But before we jump into all that, I want to introduce my guest today who was here with us last week. It's my sister, Nadia Butt, who is a Oh, man, what do I call you now? The DEI consultant? I'd rather be called a leadership development oh, consultant. But sure, you call me whatever you want to call me. development consultant. I like that. Okay. All right. Welcome, Nadia. Welcome back. Thank How are you doing? You. Doing good. I, it sounds like the people wanted me back. Is that fair? I think, I think you got is some it... rave reviews a lot better than I did. At least that's what our family is, is telling us. Yeah. Producer Ari was like, yeah, bring Nadia back and maybe okay. let's cut you out, Assad, from the podcast so amazing yeah, basically that's what's happening yeah yep now how was your week oh um my week my week is um it was great because you were i visiting. was visiting yeah you got to see your niece i got to see my niece and spend a lot of time with her um yeah we did a lot of family stuff we went to the museum of science in boston which was fantastic yeah it was good good, good week um, our, my daughter is nine months old or about to turn 10 months, I guess. Um, uh, actually Tomorrow. today. Yeah, today. Yeah. She, she, she is, uh, <laughs> She's wow, officially 10 months. Officially 10 months. And so, yeah, it's fun, been fun um, taking her to meet her family on the East Coast and seeing uh, lots of friends and family. Um, Nadia, should we get into it? We should. Yeah, right. absolutely. Let's What's start with what everybody continues to talk about for 100 days now. Now that you know the news, I know the news. It's that of uh, the war in Gaza, uh, war on Gaza, however you want to say it. Um, it has been over 100 days now. Um, I was here's Let's pull up this tweet from Max Blumenthal. Um, he just kind of laid out um, some of the stats, which I think when you look at it like this on, on stuff that's happening every day, it's kind of crazy. 247 Palestinians have been killed every day. That includes 48 mothers, 117 children, 
three medics, two teachers, um, all those have been killed every single day for the last hundred days. And then 10 children each day have lost one or two limbs, just a massive amount of devastation. And, um, you know, the big story, I think what all uh, a lot of American Muslims were talking about this past week. Now there was this big protest um, down in D.C. Mm-hmm. and across the world. Um, you saw some of those videos, right? I did. Yeah. And actually, I think it would be remiss to say that the the last standing hospital in southern Gaza is also um, with uh, was, was also being destroyed. Yeah. Are being attacked. And so um, I, I think that happened just just recently. And so I wanted to make sure we mentioned that as well, because those numbers, all of those numbers will increase yeah, in terms I, I of feel medics like and children. And- just, yeah, the. I also think about the journalists and it's just that it's it's, yeah. uh, it's a, a scale of devastation that we've never seen in this amount of time um, and, and just crazy. But, yeah, so that's what protesters were gathering in downtown D.C. Let's pull up this article um, sure. uh, uh, on Saturday afternoon. Um, hundreds of thousands of people came out. I saw a number of maybe 400,000, but uh, yeah. you know, hundreds of thousands uh, for sure calling for a ceasefire in Gaza and to halt. Uh, U.S. aid to Israel. Uh, it was part of a global day of protests that saw similar pro-Palestinian marches in cities that included London, Rome, Paris, Dublin, Johannesburg, and even in Kuala Lumpur and Malaysia. It was organized here locally in the D.C. area by the American Muslim Task Force for Palestine and uh, other groups as well. Um, and, you know, Nadia Saturday's protest comes after, just a day after Israel um, rejected allegations brought by South Africa at the International Court of Justice. Did you watch any of those hearings, Nadia? I well, you know, it was only streaming on Al Jazeera. From yeah, what I that's could right. See. Did you see um, the, a, a lot little... of people were talking about it online? How no Western news outlet outlet <laughs> um, carried uh, South Africa's presentation, but a lot of them carried live. But a lot of them carried Israel's. Um, uh, yeah, be, that's typical of what we've seen in the last hundred days is really, uh, you know, kind of sharing whether it's like the lived experiences of Israeli family, um, you know, uh, of the hostages that were taken. Um, we're seeing very little around like the lived experiences of, of Palestinian folks or Gazan folks. On mainstream. So I was not, mainstream, on, on mainstream yeah, media. Sure. Yeah. And. So yeah, I I guess I'm not surprised that it was that the the um the uh the the sorry the hearings is that what we're calling them the hearings yeah. <laughs> that the hearings were not broadcasted on mainstream media like you know be the BBC or um any of the American kind of um sh- you know broadcasts uh stations including like NPR and PBS, like didn't really see much yeah. um, around that as well. So yeah, not the yeah, prize. Me, yeah, I saw a lot of it on social media and uh, most of it uh, afterwards, uh, you know, information on both sides. And, you know, I thought that South Africa made a strong case. And, you know, honestly, I think Israel has made a strong rebuttal as well based on, on their interpretation of the law. It's, you know, sure, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But going back to the protest and the other thing about it now that it happened on MLK weekend, um, mm-hmm. MLK Day weekend, um, which I thought was really, you know, um, uh, a nice touch for the organizers. Uh, the We have a quote here in the article that says uh, from Muhammad Habi, 
um, the director of Devel- development for the American Muslims for Palestine, um, who was one of, again, one of the lead organizers of the event. He said, and I quote, we feel that it's important for us to come on this holiday weekend in the spirit of MLK when he said that, quote, injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere, that we stand up against the injustice that's going on in Gaza right now and stand up against the atrocities that are being supported and promoted by our government. Now, what did you think about the the meaning of it happening over happening over this weekend? Yeah, I think I well, so I think there was a lot of uh conversation around the fact that it was over this holiday. I think it was um it, it might have been intentional, but I think it was great to have it because uh, we know in America at least what MLK stands for um and what that holiday stands for in particular. Um I I did struggle, though. I saw a lot of MLK quotes that were pertaining to one, the same quote that we see every year, which is I have a dream. (laughs) Um, And then I saw a lot of uh, quotes that were kind of um, not necessarily advocating for the humanitarian efforts that are being done um, across, you know, Gaza or Palestine. Um, I did read a really cool article and I forwarded it to you, but I don't know if you took it took a moment to read it. Um, I sent it kind of right before this, but it was a really great Washington Post article. Um, the sermons where MLK spoke candidly on the Arab-Israeli conflict. Mm. Um, MLK did have a lot, had I had some stuff to say around um, the Arab-Israeli conflict when he was alive, um, as did Malcolm X. And I just thought that piece, that article was really interesting as you talked about, as they kind of laid out um, when he visited the Holy Land and why he didn't go back the second time around. And I would really encourage folks to read that if they really wanted to get an understanding of kind of his perspective, his take on the the that, that area yeah, in I think, the Middle East. I think that there's no doubt that he would be calling for a ceasefire, you know, probably on, on day one. But uh, yeah, certainly... And now, some might and... argue that that some may yeah, argue you that. You think so? Some, yeah, I, 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 I've heard some people arguing that. Okay, that, well, maybe you know. I'm wrong. Maybe I don't know MLK as as well as uh, as others. But yeah, I I can't imagine someone like him would be advocating for for this kind of death and destruction and and despair and and yeah. um uh to people that are you know uh some of the most victimized you know in the world um at least you know in the last couple decades let alone last month but yeah, you know now sure. that cornell west was there let's pull up yeah. this story and uh listen to some sound from him at the global day of action for gaza but when i talk about and one of these days is going to happen i may not live to see it for myself but i know no, i would have done no, all no. that i could to bear no. witness with every bone in my body but I want that free Palestine to be a place where we're able to bring together human beings in such a way that, yes, we would be concerned about Jewish safety and security. Nobody's calling for the annihilation of Jewish brothers and sisters, but you'll never have Jewish security. You'll never have Jewish safety if you don't have Palestinian security, if you don't have Palestinian safety. That's what we're talking about. We want equality. We want equality. We want equality. So, yeah, so that was Professor Cornell West, who is a renowned philosopher and theologian, um, standing in solidarity with Palestinians at the rally in D.C. And he made impassioned, an impassioned plea for justice and dignity. 
uh, drawing parallels between the struggles of Palestinians and African-Americans and calling for an end to the occupation in Gaza and a future for of dignity for Palestinians. Obviously, he is still, uh, you know, he is running for president. Um, and uh, but I thought it was, you know, it was important for him, important for presidential candidate to be there um, and and share his thoughts. What do you think about that, Nadia? Yeah, I mean, so he's a leader. Um, he's a, you know, a, a person running in this race. Um, I was reading, uh, I think, in that article that you'd sent, according to uh, the, a recent New York Times Siena College polls, 57 percent of Americans disapprove of how Biden is handling the yeah, conflict. Yeah, we talked about with, that last week, right? Yeah. Yep. And an even deeper divide among young voters. Um, and I think that he, Cornell West, kind of understands that and understands why folks are disappointed in Biden handling, you know, this conflict and his not really listening to, or ca uh, capturing sentiments of folks. Um, that are feeling disappointed. Um, so I, I think that he is absolutely, um, you know, trying to get some traction in the communities of both Arab, Muslim, American Muslim, Palestinian, um, or, or just folks that are really advocating for the, the yeah. um, you know, the ceasefire and so forth. Yeah, let's pull up this story from uh, ABC News that says that Cornell West is making a big push to court the Muslim and Arab American vote. Um, he uh, obviously was speaking at the uh, the event over the weekend, but uh, amongst other things, um, holding fundraisers and and whatnot. And uh, you know, he has a history of supporting Muslim Arab and Arab communities and uh, condemning the war in Gaza and urging investigations into potential war crimes. All the things that I think uh, many Muslims have called for, uh, definitely recently, but over the last you know couple decades, with starting with the war in Iraq. Um, and you know, now that his, um, his entrance into the race, especially if you can sway some Arabs and Muslims could have a huge impact, especially, you know, in places like Michigan. So that's a question I got for you, because I know that the U S census doesn't necessarily track religion of voters. Um, do we know how many Muslim voters there are? And then in particular in Michigan, is that like a data source that we may have? Uh, I I don't have it. I mean, I th I think that the assumption is that I think from the data that I know, the last you know last election was so close in Michigan, just whatever tens of thousands of votes, and yeah. so you it's know with always a place been like, a swing state. Yeah, right? place so like, like Dearborn, they have you know, uh, it, uh, Dearborn, Michigan is a hotbed for um, uh, the Muslim community. Hotbed is probably the wrong word to say, but a a big uh, has a big. Muslim population, um, uh, Arab as well, um, and the surrounding communities. And so the idea is that, you know, if they come out in a voting block where, you know, 60, 70, 80 percent of them decide not to vote for Biden, then that's going to have, uh, you know, a huge impact. Tremendous in, impact. In, because in, then the alternative is a Trump term, right? Like, is 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 that like if if people if folks go out and vote for Cornell or someone else, that splits the vote. Yeah, the presumption is that they're not voting then for Biden and then, yeah, Trump Trump wins. But yeah, yeah I mean, the alternative, the, I guess the other option is the people that other people that are voting for Biden could <laughs> should vote for West or a third party candidate. And that person can can right. beat, beat Trump at the polls. But uh, yeah, that yeah. might be a little wishful thinking on our part. But yeah, um, Nadia, let's take a quick break and we'll come back. I want to talk more about the election because there are there is more to cover with that. Um, so we'll be right back. This is American Muslim Project. 
Welcome back to American Muslim Project. My guest today is Nadia Butt, a, oh, what did you say, leadership development consultant? That's amongst right. Amongst other things, and our uh, news analyst this week for American Muslim Project. Nadia, I want to take a turn, I guess, back to the election. And, you know, we were talking about Cornell West, but I think the other obviously big story of the week is that Trump, uh, you know, kicked ass in Iowa. Um, mm. And probably by the time <laughs> a lot of you hear this, we'll have, uh, either kicked ass or done really well in New Hampshire, um, though I guess that, that's still up up, up in the air. But, um, you know, now that I think that he is going to be the presumptive nominee, um, uh, let's yeah. let's pull up this Al Jazeera article. And, you know, what does this mean for Muslims? At least 70% of Republican adults would reportedly be satisfied with Trump as the pre- party's presidential nominee. They call him, you know, a strong leader and the best qualified to serve. You know, we kind of know all this, but yeah, I think that like, you know, this train is coming. I think that DeSantis and um, Nikki Haley gave it a, a, a good shot, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's hard, to, it a, beat, it's hard it to beat the Trump train. Yeah, that's that's the truth. Yeah. And, and I guess how, um, I, you know, I don't know my, my familiarity around like the Iowa caucus is not super on par, but I'm curious, like, is it typically in the last few election cycles? Um, that typically is the person that would whoever wins that is typically the person that would be indicative of not necessarily, but you know, I think that all the all the polls nationally and within very you know, various states show that Trump is, you know, way out ahead. Um, you know, winning winning with uh bigger margins than, you know, anybody anybody in history. Just like, you know, we haven't seen these kind of numbers before. And so yeah, I think like this was the first test and um, it's clear that the Republican Party wants him to be the nominee um, or at least the Republican base uh, of the Republican Party wants him to be the nominee. And so, right. yeah, uh, unless, you know, something major happens, which, of course, could happen with his um, campaign or campaign or, or health or <laughs> you never know his, uh, or his, his uh, many uh, indictments. Exactly right. Um, you know, he is going to be. um he, you know, he's he he could very well become president. And so, you know, I think this is, you know, going back to what we're talking about with um, Cornell West and third party candidates, you know, it, Muslims are going to have a big have big influence in in the future of this country if this continues to, to go the way that it's going. How do um, you feel about this? Just out of curiosity, like what are your thoughts about if Trump is the nominee and then does win? <laughs> Another Trump term. Yeah, I mean, to me, there's not a lot of difference between a Biden or a Trump in terms of the issues that I care most about. Um, uh, that has to do with, uh, you know, treatment of Muslims. So, you know, there's the, there's Trump, which is over, who is overtly racist. And then you have Biden, who is essentially, you know, like just systemic racism is his thing, right? Like, I think yeah. <laughs> what's the difference uh, between the two when it comes to how they treat, you know, the Muslim community? Uh, you know, I think you could... Uh, uh, obviously, mark make arguments for 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 either one, but yeah, I I, I don't know. I I, I time uh, will tell. Right? T- time will tell. Yeah, I know. I just don't. You know, I I think that a Biden presidency would probably be marginally better for the American Muslim community, for the global Muslim community. You know, uh, Trump didn't start any wars. Biden has, and so uh, yeah, it's um, 
Well, a war um, internationally, but a war on women's bodies might be a different topic, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, I mean, when we think about definitions like, matter LG, as we were discussing. Well, yeah, when we think of right, sure. like so, you're concerned about different issues, but like, I for think sure, of, I do think of, I, and I don't know what the average American Muslim thinks, but I, I think of my friends, and of course, like this war is top of mind, but there's other issues that we're still concerned with, like you know, friends of the LGBTQIA plus community, women's rights, education. I mean, we are banning books left and right. I said, like, I don't even think that the book that I contributed to in <laughs> the book chapter is really allowed in states like Florida. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so just, yes, uh, that, yeah, yeah, I agree. Uh, like, you know, I think that, yes, certainly on 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 paper, in theory, you know, a Biden presidency would be better. Um but he's had four years to do a lot in those regards and hasn't done a lot. So right. or three years, I guess, at this point. And so, you know, I, again, like the rhetoric, I, yeah, rhetoric is important. And obviously the rhetoric coming from Biden generally now is a lot better than the rhetoric coming from Trump. But yeah, I, I still think yeah. that there's not a lot of there, there's not a lot of distance between the two of them, you know, when it comes to 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 what the presidency will look like when if either of them are, are president. But sure. Now, they wanted to bring up some new stories moving on to uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, who dropped out of the race and has endorsed Trump, you know, in the past week. Um, but, you know, he, uh, you know, before the Iowa caucuses, now that he was actually a target of Islamophobia. So Ramaswamy, let's pull this up. Um, this is from uh, The Independent. And basically, Nadia, uh, like the, this, uh, the article goes on to say that uh, Iowa voters thought that he was Muslim due to his skin color and uh, his religion, despite being Hindu, and how that maybe affected him um, uh, by not getting votes. And so it's it's wild to me, right? Like, uh, so the he, inherent he, racism yeah, or the, Islamophobia <laughs> exactly, that people right? have, yeah, a, that that uh, they don't know any better, and B that that's a problem. Of you know, it's just it's it's so ridiculous to me. So it reminds me of when Obama, right? Obama. Hussein, no, of course. Bar- I mean, so many people Bar- still Barack think Hussada, Obama is, yeah, Hussein, uh, is uh, Obama. is Muslim, which is obviously false. But also, who cares? Who cares uh, if he was <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. <laughs> um, so Ramaswamy re- reportedly faced so many questions about his Hindu faith. That he eventually incorporated incorporated an explainer of Hinduism uh, into his campaign stump speech, which I thought was interesting. But yeah, oh. it just it's so fascinating that like you know people of color or uh, someone like him has to deal with this. You know, yeah. Well, it's interesting to me because I think um, it's probably why I'm observing Namarata Randhawa, who's also AKA known as Nikki Haley. <laughs> making herself appear to be more white um, and sharing her Christian values and beliefs so that she can gain that voter and donor support. Yeah, Um, I feel feel like she's more of a well-known entity anyway, you know, having government and all that kind of stuff. Sure, sure. She's been playing this game of, of, yeah, seemingly to hide her background and nationality ethnicity or not nationality ethnicity. Identity, identity yeah yeah uh, for sure parts of her identity but then use in my observations uses her identity when she knows that she can it will go towards her advantage mm-hmm. right yeah. so i'm not faulting All her t- she she <laughs> can do her but it's very interesting to me that um the name the, the, the you know converting to christianity like you know some of these things and then kind of talk 
talking about immigration in a way that um, is 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 really negative when um, this is all her kind of background. So yeah. it, it's anyways, it's interesting to me. Yeah, for sure. Um, and now the another news story coming out of Texas, similar uh, in that vein, and that is um, Gary, sorry, Carrie Cheshire, a Texas conservative activist, has sent anti-Muslim happy, quote unquote, happy Ramadan cards to voters in his or in the legislative district of the Texas House Speaker, Dade, Dade Phelan, Phelan, I think that's how you pronounce his name. The uh-huh. cards are ta- sarcastically wish constituents a happy Ramadan, insinuating that the speaker is Muslim, despite him being Catholic. Again, not that it matters that he would be Muslim. The mailers, which are paid for by that guy named Cheshire, ridicule Phelan for his alleged pro-Muslim record based on a resolution, a couple of resolutions that he passed, which recognized Eid um, uh, <laughs> as a holiday. And so, yeah, just kind of, again, this like using... Uh, um, you know, charging someone as, as Muslim who's a not and basically making it into a slur um, in to win political points. It's just uh, ridiculous to me. Yeah, it's these fear based tactics, I think, right. that insinuate being Muslim is bad and don't vote for this person or look what this person is doing. And that just perpetuates the anti-Muslim sentiment and Islamophobia that so many of us have had to deal with. Um, and so, th- you know, I I. I don't, you know, where is this? This is in Texas, you said. Is this yeah, um, yeah. the Sugar Land area or something like that? I'm not <laughs> Actually, quite it, sure. I don't see the articles in like... the Texas Tribune. Okay. I forgot where exactly it is. Well, anyways, th- I thought I read Sugar Land. And if it is Sugar Land, that's a very um, pretty dom- uh, predominantly South Asian um, community in the, in the Houston area. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was there. But... Um, yeah, that's kind of sad. You know, Happy Ramadan is no different than saying Merry Christmas, Happy Easter, Happy New Year. Um, and so to say it in like a, you know, sarcastic way to try to get voters against someone because they um, <laughs> they support having Eve off yeah. or having holidays for Eve is ridiculous. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. And then finally, Nadia, another story that uh, we are tracking, uh, you know, similar in vain. And this is out of North Chicago. Um, Let's pull this up. And so uh, the story goes that Ramteen Sabbath, a former police officer in North Chicago, has won almost half a million uh, dollar settlement in federal court uh, regarding uh, a religious and national origin discrimination case. And so he says that... um, uh, that fellow officers basically uh, told him that uh, uh, he was a terrorist Muslim and that he held a gun like a Muslim. And when he brought complaints to a supervisor, um, both orally and in writing, um, they were ignored or met with consequ- consequences such as being denied promotions and training opportunities. This is all according to the Council on American Islamic Relations in Chicago. Um, and basically they say that Sabbath ref- faced relentless harassment uh, and discrimination from his fellow officers based on his Islamic faith and the fact that he was uh, uh, from Iran or, or ethnically Iranian. Um, and so, yeah, uh, uh, Nadia, we see this, uh, you're, you're, you're an expert on this kind of stuff. Uh, this must happen a lot, right? It does. Um, unfortunately, workplace discrimination um, is happening a lot and um 
is half happening right now um several times probably a week or month even in the states uh particularly if you are um american muslim or even other religions but um or discriminated you know that religions that are predominantly discriminated against and it, it is sad there's a lot of research out there right now around the claims that are happening we talk about this a lot on inclusive collective um podcasts where rob and i have you know break down kind of this discrimination that occurs and like the amount of money that employers um in this case probably the city had to um you know settle on for these types of cases and um i do hope that in in addition to a settlement there's other forms of um uh learning or um, other forms of reflection that can happen so that this doesn't continue to happen. But I'm not so sure that that is the case. The settlement serves, the article goes on to say, serves as a significant win against workplace bullying and harassment, emphasizing that such behavior will not be tolerated. And then the, the person, the victim, he views it as a victory against discrimination in the workplace. Definitely. I'm glad that that came to um a positive resolution, though it's sad that that stuff happens. Uh, it sure. is. I will just add, though, us because this is me and I do leadership development work. That is great in terms of a victory against discrimination, but it doesn't mean that it's going to end. Correct. Yeah. Right. Behavioral, right. right? Like behavioral changes don't end in that For way. Sure. And so I just want to name that. Yeah. Totally. As we talk about it. Okay, Nadia, a lot of heavy stuff. Let's take another quick break. When we come back, let's talk some new Muslim tech innovation, and we'll share a clip from a new podcast that we are following. This is American Muslim Project. Welcome back to American Muslim Project. My guest today is uh, Nadia Butt, who is a, what is it again, Nadia? Leadership development consultant. I knew. I was just kidding. <laughs> um, so also, now that, I am yeah. your sister. Oh, also my sister. Yes, also that. Um, so now that I want to pull this up, uh, I found this, uh, I don't even know how, on, on socials or whatever. We're, we're trying to figure out if we're pronouncing the name right, but Qarib um, is uh, a new events calendar for the Muslim community. It looks like it's still in beta. Um, but it's basically intended to help users find local events, one at our, our um, listeners to know more about it um, and the way that it's spelled Q-A-R-I-Y-B and we'll have links to it in the show notes but their goal is to empower the global Muslim community through a central hub for events, activities, and resources enhancing faith, knowledge, and well-being um, and their goal, you know, their mission is to curate events tailored to, you know, the values and interests of the Muslim community. So just something that we wanted the community to be aware of and uh, yeah. We'll link to it in the show notes. And finally, today, we're going to introduce a new section of our podcast where we actually highlight other podcasts uh, that we think that uh, you should know uh, done by Muslims. And so this week, uh, we're going to highlight The Halal Gap, which is uh, a podcast that covers everything from common everyday struggles to the relative scarcity of Muslim uh, individuals in the creative industry, co-hosts Sikandar Atik and Sophia Lani. Explore stories and opinions of Muslims from around the world aiming to showcase the incredible bodies of work and uniquely divergent experiences of genuine, hardworking individuals who identify as Muslim. 
The Halal Gap returned with its most recent season just this past week with a special episode from the 2023 Moscars Film Festival, which I attended uh, just in October. Um, and so this uh, clip from that podcast is from their opening panel discussion in which a bunch of creative individuals uh, talked about uh, the wealth of talent and diverse voices of Muslims from around the world and how hard it is to get stuff made in the creative world. Take a listen. You know, I think when when we talk about so much of what has been already mentioned, but when, when we talk about success or, or, or being able to enter into rooms that can at least pave the path towards success, so much of it is about your network, right? And so much of it is about how do you how do you even get into that room? How do you develop that network? And as we know, in, in, in so many industries, and this is no exception, it's more about who you know than, than, than what you know. And when we're dealing with these, this existing underrepresented community, there's that additional barrier that exists when you don't have someone necessarily that you can reach up to and say, hey, you've gone through a similar experience as I have. Uh, you know, can you be that mentor for me? So I, I, I want to I ask, Imran, I'll go back to you first. You know, especially as someone who has navigated building, you know, professional relationships in spaces where you might be the only, the only Muslim in the room, how, how has that journey been for you in terms of just the networking aspect and being able to develop a peer group within the film uh, industry? Yeah, I think um, that's a great question. Um, I think it's, there's two aspects of it, the, or the way I see it, there's two aspects. There's one, it's like, it's like this, like, the, like your, your peer group um, that you meet when you're starting out, um, that could be, uh, you know, other people who are from a similar background to you or not, but, but those like initial bonds of, oh, we're all starting out and trying to figure it out, figure out how to, you know, be filmmakers together or writers or whatever it is, um, that, that is a very, um, important, those are important bonds because those are the bonds that like kind of last through your whole career. Um, I made some of those bonds in film school. I made some of those bonds um, pre before going to film school with just friends making YouTube videos and like that those things carry through. Um, and, um, and I think that's really important. And then the other part of it is like working in industry and developing like professional relationships with um, people and just doing a good job. I think it's like, it's like, it's like you could be, I guess I, uh, give an example. Like you, if you, let's say you've written a really great script and you're working in, um, some sort of professional capacity at like a, a, for like a TV show or a studio or some, some kind of like, um, something in entertainment. But like, you don't, like you have this great script and you know, like you could show it to people who you work with. But I think like um, the part of it that's important is like you have to be doing a really good job at the thing you're doing at that place. So it's like if you're just getting coffee for people and you're like an assistant or you're like whatever, you have to like you have to do a really good job. People have to like you. <laughs> like they have to like you for like what you're providing for that organization. And and like you're you know, and that then, you know, you develop relationships and then at some point you when you feel like it's a good time, you can make that ask. You can say, Hey, would you would you be willing to read something that I wrote? Um, you know, and, 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 then, and then you can do that. But I think if you kind of put the cart before the horse and you like only focus on networking and you're not like kind of like 
doing like like actually just doing work that's that um, people f are finding value in like in your kind of professional life then I think it's harder to make those leaps um, that's what I've seen at least in my in my experience as somebody who worked in editorial um, in and was able to make that leap to directing like or is it's sort of in, still in, in process of making that leap but 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 somewhere along that way, um, I can, I feel that like the key of it is always like, are you do you know doing a the priority is like doing a really good job at the job that you're you're um, being hired to do, and then and then when those opportunities arise, like making use of those opportunities, and I think that is how I kind of navigate that part, or I have, and it's been. Um, yeah, like I mean, yeah, you you can't you can't be too forward thinking, I guess. In in that, like, if people get a sense of that you're just trying to use this, like, like that you're not focused on your job and you're really focused on something else, like they get a sense of that, and then like it can it can be not good professionally. So I think you gotta really like, you know, get the what, people have said this before, like, oh, you have to get like if you wanna you know, move ahead in, in, in Hollywood and entertainment, it's like you gotta, if, and if you're starting from the, like, assistant level, it's like you gotta get the coffee orders right and all that. Like, you have, like, whatever your job is, you have to do a good job. That was uh, the new episode from the team over at the Halal Gap. Um, we hope that you enjoy it. We'll send, we'll have links to that in the show notes so you can subscribe and listen to it later on in depth. Nadia, that does it for our show. Thanks for joining. Any parting words of wisdom? Um, you say genuine differently than I do. Oh, do I? What did I <laughs> yeah, say? You genuine. Say, you said genuine. I oh, say yeah. genuine. Genuine. I that probably it's I like potato and potato. Yeah, you know, maybe, maybe, yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, thank you for having me this week. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks uh, for everybody for listening. Um, we'd love to know your thoughts. Again, we're kind of experimenting with new uh, things in uh, our podcast and, and what to cover. So give us, uh, drop us a line. Email us at info at Rafaelian.com. Uh, we'll be back next week with another episode of American Muslim Project. I just want to thank my sister Nadia, producer Ari, and until next time, I'm Musa Butt. Thanks.